Son of God, He is near. He chose to walk with us. He's tribal trails. Hello, welcome to Tribal Trails. Today we're in Winnipeg, Manitoba, visiting with uh, Andy Williams. So we're in the uh, Union Gospel Mission. So uh, Andy, I guess first of all, uh, could tell us uh, um, what do you do uh, around here? Well, uh, I'm morning supervisor in the mornings for uh, downstairs and reception. And uh, I've been here now five years working here, but I went through the program here too. So uh, that's about, uh, where, you, where are you from? Uh, originally, I was born in Norway House, then I got taken away, and then uh, went to BC for a while, and then came back here. I don't know what that means when you get taken uh, away. Yes, like. Yeah, I got uh, adopted out. Well, we got taken away from our real parents, my brother and I, and then uh, we got sent to an adoption house. Then they adopted us, and then we, they, we, we left Manitoba, we went to BC because my dad, my foster dad's work went to BC and then he, five years later we come back and then five years we go back and that was his work. <laughs> oh, so you just... Uh, so I just stayed oh, yeah, and ended up staying in Winnipeg. Oh, okay, so when you got old enough? Yeah. So uh, how was it like uh, growing up uh, in, in that environment? Uh, it was rough at first because I got I got taken from alcohol parents, and I got put with uh, alcohol parents. Well, one parent, my foster daddy was an alcoholic, so it was no change basically. We were too young to know what alcohol was and that, but but as we grew up in that, we we learned fast because my dad was old school and we were brought up old school. We were hit, slapped kicked whatever <laughs> when we did something wrong or even when we didn't do anything wrong he just came home drunk and he got mad and he took it out on us boys mm -hmm. there was four of us at the house at the time so um, I guess tell me about a bit of uh, Vancouver how was that was how that was living over there uh, Vancouver I liked, I liked it up there because here people knew about what was going on in uh, in our house. Up there, people didn't know us. So I got along with more people up there because they didn't ask me questions about my house. Like here, my friends would say, Andy, did you get beat up last night? Out there, they'd just say, hey, how's you, have, you have a nice family. And, and that's why I perceived it as, I wouldn't tell them the truth. Just, but living up there was, was good. I liked it. I got old enough. I made uh, a lot of friends up there. Lived up in uh, Squamish, BC. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then uh, met my wife up there. And then we had married. And then we had our children, our family. And by then, I was a full-blown alcoholic myself. And just passed it on. Just. From my dad to me, it just went on and on. I just want to be exactly like my dad, which it was. <laughs> so did you do any kind of work up there? Yeah, I was uh, 
did some log shoreman work. I drove up and down the coastline looking for logs for companies. And then I report them in and they come and get them and do that. I drive uh, 400 miles one way, 400 miles back, and that'd be my day. It'd take me about six, seven hours. Did some fishing up there while I was up there, crabbing. The last uh, I did was a uh, apartment manager up there for a complex. Did that kind of work. A lot of fixing, a lot of work. Came back to Winnipeg with my family and then I got into uh, construction. I worked for the city for uh, eight years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, tell me more about how you uh, met your wife and tell me about her. Yeah, well, uh, my wife was, uh, we were young, like I said, and uh, she was a year older than I was, and uh, she was a beautiful woman. And she, she passed away uh, 1990, and then I had my kids my, by myself. I had a single father, and I lost it after that. It's just everything, when she left, everything left. I knew about the Lord and everything. Uh, my stepmom, my foster mom, she was a really religious person. She taught us when we were young to go to Sunday school and stuff. And she took us to church. And but I, after I lost my wife, I lost everything. I, I hated, I hated everybody and everything. Like, I even hated God for just taking her from me. That was the hardest part in my life. And went on for years. That's how I became full-blown addict and alcoholic. And then my kids, uh, they were 16, 17, around that age. And then they got taken away from me. And then after that, they all grew up. And now they live in BC and I have a boys here. And then I have my girls in BC that still live there. They didn't want to have anything to do with me while I was drinking and drugging. And... The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Someone come to me 
tried and trying seemed the only thing to do. Then one day I just 53 years old and I said I gotta do something with my life. I gotta get off those streets. I was on the street for 10 years of my life on Main Street. And that's how I know everybody on the street. And, and then I just said one day I just went into the hospital. I said real bad shakes, DTs, and told the doctor, I said, You gotta help me. I gotta I wanna quit I'm gonna kill myself. He said, you really want to quit? And I said, yep. Ten minutes later, I was upstairs in detox. That was uh, June 4th, 2017. That was the last time I drank. So, and then I started my journey. Went to detox, went to uh, AFM program for 28 days. And then I didn't know about this. This place I didn't know it was like I knew there was a place you can come and eat here, but I didn't know they had a treatment center here and, and, and everything like that. Until I met my friend Marcel downstairs, he works here now too. He says, Why don't you come in and see? He brought me in, he showed me around, and then he introduced me to uh, Ben, the intake worker downstairs. Little thing I know is I didn't know Ben worked here. I know Ben from the days when we grew up. We were all in, all in the same area together, and <laughs> we all grew up together, basically. And then uh, Ben said, I have a bed coming in one week. He goes, can you, can you stay sober for one week? I said, oh yeah. And I went next door and I talked with him, because I was volunteering at the Salomes. Asked him if I can get a bed for a week, and I told him I, I have a bed here ready for me in one week. They said, yep. So I came into the program. That week I finished it. I came into the program, did all what they asked me to do, and then uh, I had uh, a real good chaplain I had here. He used to work here. His name was uh, Scott Miller, and he he was hard. Hard, hard-nosed guy. He's straightforward. That's it. And if you lie to him and that, he'd let you know, and he'd push you away. Say, "Well, you want to talk like that? You will sit over there and talk and talk in the mirror. Listen, let that person listen to you." <laughs> That's what he'd say to me, straight up. And, and then I said, "Oh, I just started reading, and I finally he broke me down so much where." I finally broke down, told him everything, what what was wrong with me, why I doing the drugs, why I'm drinking. And it was because of my wife dying. And, and he goes, you know what? He goes, I don't want to hear any more of that stuff. He goes, he goes, that's just an excuse for you. What happened to her? I'm sorry. Yes. He goes, but you can't use that as an excuse all the time in your life for drinking and drugging and that. Because I tell them, oh, I think about her all the time, and then as soon as I think about her, I have to drink. It's, just, it's an excuse. <laughs> and I didn't get that, but then he taught me that. He said, then after a while, I started sinking in, and I started talking to him, and I said, yeah, you're right. It is. It was an excuse. I blamed everybody else's problems for my drinking and drugging. 
I did. My dad beat me all the time. My dad did this. My dad did that. But that led me to drink. No, I chose to drink. But I didn't know that. I just tried to use an excuse for somebody for me to go out and drink. But after that, was, I finally got into the into the Bible with uh, Scott, and we sat downstairs for hours. He he taught me. He taught me how to use the Bible. He taught me how to read it and understand some words in it and what it meant. And now it's like, like downstairs. So we have a Bible class. Sometimes there's no teachers. No, Andy, you want to go downstairs and teach? Yeah, sure, I'll go. I do everything. <laughs> it's like I'm downstairs t talking with these guys, teaching with them, training them, showing them the Bible now the way I got taught. I'm teaching them now. And it's, it just amazes me what God has done in my life and how he changed me. Like I was this hard-nosed man and he was like, you look at me wrong, I'd jump you. I was, that's how way I was. I was dealing drugs, I was in gangs, collecting money for people and stuff like that and now I couldn't care less about that stuff. That's that part of my life is over. I can say I actually see that right now. It's over. Now my kids want me around. My grandchildren love me. They phone me. They text me. Mom's, mom's being mean to me. <laughs> Never got that call in my life before, but I get them now. <laughs> it makes me feel so good. Yeah. Now tell my little granddaughter, okay, put mom on a phone. I'm gonna give her heck. Mommy, did you watch? I just kept on doing your heck. <laughs> Their daughter, you can hear my granddaughter in the background just laughing. At <laughs> so stuff like that is uh, that's why I say I praise God for letting me have this again. My kids in my life and my family, my brothers. Uh, it's a different story with them. I did too much to them. I believe right now. I'm trying to get contact with them and that, and, but uh, I think it takes time with them. My brother, he's a pastor of a church in Calgary, and my other brother is a principal at uh, in uh, Vanderhoof, BC. Teachers, his wife teaches, and his, my other brother's wife's a uh, pediatric nurse. So, but then my done too much to upset them and hurt them and because I think what it was is uh, what they see in me they saw their dad because I acted exactly like him I drank all the time but I worked that's the thing I considered myself a, a functional alcoholic where I can get up and go to work and then drink after work and then go to sleep get up go to work and that's what I thought it was, I was good for. I thought that was a good life. But then it started, started slowly breaking me down. Like I had, had uh, two strokes, had two heart attacks. I was in a coma for six months, all because of drinking and, dr drinking and drugging. And the last time, like I said, the last time I just, I found myself on the Salter Bridge. I was on the other side of the rail, and then I was just hanging there, holding on to one hand on the rail, 
it's always I've been rigid and now somebody yelled at me or something and I just remember waking up and I'm wondering how did I get here? I didn't even know I was on a bridge. I didn't even know where I was. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the police come and grab me and they took me to the hospital and that's when I told the doctor, I said, I got to do it, I gotta stop. This is gonna kill me, I'm gonna kill myself. And I think that's exactly when the Lord got got through to me finally. And I said to myself, Okay, I gotta quit. That's it, that's it done. And then uh me and uh Scott, my chaplain downstairs. We were praying down in his office one day, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what it was. Just after we said amen, we were talking, and all of a sudden something was like behind me was in my ear and says, you're gonna be okay. And I just looked and I couldn't, didn't see nothing. And then Scott asked me, what happened? I know, I said something, something just whispered in my ear, you're going to be okay. He just looked at me and grabbed my hand and he says, that's the Lord talking to you. And it never happened to me before in my life. Sorry. <laughs> that made me stronger. It made me want to learn more and help more. And now I work the front desk. They asked me, I did all the jobs in this, in this program. They asked me, what job do you want? And I said, I want the front door. I said, I'm good with people. I want to talk with people. I want, I want them to know that they're loved. That's all they need. They need somebody just to ask them, how's your day? I go, tell this gentleman. I asked this guy one day, how's your day today? And he just looked at me all shocked and he goes, you know, nobody's ever asked me that before. How was my day? That's all it took. Just, how was your day? And he said, he just, he just made my day. He said, I'm happy now. Because somebody, actually somebody cared enough to ask me how my day was. <laughs> See, just those tiny little things. Because when I was on the street, I never heard that either. I just heard, get away from me, get a job, or, and stuff like that. And, how can you live like this and always put me down? But somebody just walk up to you and say, hey, how was your day today? It just turns you right around. <laughs> Gives you hope. Mm -hmm. and that's what I want to try to give these people when they come in here. I treat them with respect. I treat them with sincerity. I treat them with love. Because I love every person that walks into this building. I treat them as their brother, my brother and my sister. I tell him that if it wasn't for this place, I wouldn't be alive right now. And if it wasn't for the Lord, he tell me I'm, I'll be all right. And I'll keep going. Uh, five years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, bowel cancer. And all the staff here, all the people that know outside this program, they're they're all with me. They, they pray for me. They, every day they're praying for me and keeping me strong. And all my levels right now, they're all level. So mm -hmm. they've been level now for for about two years now. So it's starting to, and I feel better and better every day because I know people are caring and loving. Mm -hmm. So. 
So you do you go to church around here? Yeah, yeah. I go to uh, Church and Rock on Selkirk Avenue. Where? Church of the Rock on Selkirk. Oh, okay. So yeah. there's a church over here? Yeah, yeah. And then there's, plus there's one by my place at uh, Bronx, Bronx Park. They have Church of the Rock in there too. And uh, so that's closer. I live in Elmwood. Oh. So if I can't make deer, I'll walk up to the other one or I'll ride my bike over to the other church and to go to church up there. Mm -hmm. But it's usually Church of the Rock. I go and talk with people, and there's all my friends that live near me. They're all church-going people too. So they all go to the same one, so we all head up there, and and we go for coffee after across the street, McDonald's or whatever it is, and <laughs> spend some afternoon time with them. And, and then I and then I go to Portage Avenue next to. And help the people there. I go do my street ministry there every Sunday morning. I just walk in. Anybody any prayer? And people, I'll put up her hand. A lady will put up her hand, and I'll go pray with them and ask them what their name is, how they're doing. And, and I know they're not drinking because they want prayer. Then I'll ask, her, "Would you like to? Would you like a coffee or anything?" And I'll go give them coffee and stuff like that. And, we sit and talk, and I open my Bible. I have a little Bible in my bag. I carry with me all the time, and I, I'll read them a phrase. I love doing that, just going out. And, oh, yeah, you get the odd people. Hey, get out of here. And this, now we don't need no Bible thumpers here. And <laughs> We need more Bible thumpers here, I say. <laughs> what they do is, not, I'm not the only one. I took a couple of guys with me one time, and... They liked it, and then they said, they say they go, they go on during the week. I like me, I go on weekends because I work during the week. And, yeah, and I do my stuff on weekends. Uh huh. Wow, that's a great ministry. Mm hmm. That has uh, given you. Yes. No sooner had I stopped, and you were there. That God had heard my prayer. I should have realized and not have been surprised. His eyes are on the sparrow, so why not pray? Preacher, I wanna, I wanna go back to BC, go back to Squamish and. Uh, we worked out of a work out of a church from there, where I lived. So Squamish is a different. Is that a reserve there too? Yeah, or? it's a reserve. Reserve in the town. Okay. There's the town of Squamish, and then there's Reserve Squamish. Yeah. And then there's a town there that uh, there's a church there now that when I go visit, I go do spend some time with them. It's called the Rock. I go there and volunteer while I'm out there, but. I go, I go to BC, I go to Vancouver, I'll go to the UGM there and volunteer my time there while I'm there on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> but meanwhile, I'm out on the street helping people, handing sandwiches out for them and yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. And take my kids and my grandchildren with me and then I'll give them a sandwich and they'll run and grab them and give it to people and <laughs> teach them, eh? Teach them when they're young. That's the best thing. That's, Last Christmas, I was up in BC, and uh, 
I got that, uh, what was that, that 60 scoop money. So I took uh, $20,000, I put it on the credit card. Then I took my six grandchildren and we went to the grocery store. And then I told one grandchild, I said, you pick one person that you want to pay your groceries for. And then my daughter, my granddaughter looked and said, I need there. Okay, let's go. And then, then I told her and then I tapped the lady and she, she was yes. And she goes, we want to pay your groceries for you. And then she used her card and then she put it on the machine. Eh? <laughs> we did that, I all six of my grandchildren. I, did, I told them to do that and we paid all the people's, people's groceries and all different kinds, all different types of people. Rich people, white, poor people, every, everybody there. One of my grandchildren wanted to do it for, we did it. And then, uh, and then now they phone me every Christmas since then. They phone me, Grandpa, are you coming so we can do that again? Because <laughs> 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 started something too bad. <laughs> yeah. Good, eh? wow. yeah, so stuff like that, that's what I try to bring, put into my grandchildren's heads. And, yeah. like, there are other people that need help too. And then, and then my granddaughter and my grandson were walking down uh, in Vancouver and they saw this guy sitting there and he had a drink in his hand, a cold drink. It wasn't open yet, so he went and gave it to him. Gave it to that guy sitting there. And he put his hand on his shoulder and he said, God bless you. And then he walked away and I just looked at him. And he looks at me, right, Grandpa? <laughs> I says, yes, baby. <laughs> he looks six-year-old boy. He just goes and does that all just out of his own mind. And what that's, he goes, I remember doing that when we were young, when I was young with you, Grandpa. He says, and I stayed with him. So that's kind of stuff that I want to put into my grandchildren's heads. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. It was so good to talk to Andy and learn about how he overcame bitterness through the loving care of Christians. He has a fulfilled life in the ministry he is now involved in. He even could restore his relationship with his children and now has a great impact on his grandchildren. Jesus Christ also wants you to be able to live a fulfilled life. If you are hurt and feel bitter because of life's disappointments, Come to Jesus Christ. He will never let you down. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Call us if you want to talk to someone about your struggles or would like to pray with someone. The sound of my words died. Oh, well, at least I tried and tried. Seem the only thing to do No sooner had I stopped And you were there Then I knew that God had heard my prayer I should have realized not have been surprised 
his eyes and wrong the sparrow so why not me His eyes are on the sparrow, so why not me?